Well, good morning. I've said it before and I'll say it again. We're seven days closer than we were last Sunday to the Lord's return. Hey, we're getting there, church. And one day we're going to see our Lord Jesus Christ face to face. Isn't that amazing? Our loved ones has gone before us. We'll see them. It's amazing to think about these things. If we sing about heaven, and where do we get our promises from? None other place than the holy word of God. Amen? We build our lives, we build our understandings on the word of God. So if you would, take a copy of God's word today, God's lovely word. And do you ever think about how precious it is just to have a copy of God's word in your own language as you can understand? To smell it, to kiss it, to love it, to cherish it. Do you take God's word like that or do you let it slide around in your floorboard of your car? And do you pick it up whenever it's dusty and knock off the dust? How do you use God's word? This is the living word of God. The living God has spoken and he has had men record this for us that we might know how to live and how we might worship him. We serve an awesome God. Amen. Well, today's passage, if you have your notes, there's notes in the bulletins. If you did not receive a bulletin, you need one and you're not under the age of 18, would you raise your hand? Sometimes our teenagers, if our, if our ushers will bring you a couple bulletins in, there's a couple right out front. If you would, check those ushers and um, just keep your hands up and they'll bring one to you. They'll bring it because the notes are important today because this is probably one of the most controversial doctrines, if you will, uh, controversial statements, if you will, in our time and it was in the first century church time. We look back, this is called the Jerusalem Council uh, by many, and we'll look and see, there's... there's um, but we're going to look at this. It's called the Jerusalem Council. This is when the first church, the home church, the mother church, if you will, was in Jerusalem. So all the other churches, where did Jesus, when he gave the great uh, commission, if you will, the great, uh, what, what the plan, what his God's plan was, he said, you shall be my witnesses when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you shall begin where? What was the first place they should begin? In Jerusalem. And guess where they begin? Just as God said, because God will always have his plans be fulfilled. Is that true? In your life, my life, early church life, pick a time, pick a place, pick a people. God is in charge. We'll see this in light of today's Word of God. And we see it throughout Scripture. So the Jerusalem church was the mother church, if you will. That was the church where James, the brother, the half-brother of Jesus, was the pastor. And we'll get to it that Peter's there, the apostles are there. Now they travel, go out and witness, and they come back and share the gospel. They go out and come back. And they have messengers. They send out missionaries. Today we do the same thing as Southern Baptists. What do we still do? We have missionaries all over the world. We send them out through our International Mission Board. We'll send them. We'll pay their salaries. What little bit of salary they get. Isn't that true, Mackenzie? That small salary. She was one of our missionaries sent out. Don't y'all want to hear a report from Mackenzie and all her Thailand adventures? Uh, she's a bit nervous about speaking sometimes. But uh, we're going to do a video and, and the question and answer because some of the young ladies in the room might want to actually be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Some young men in the room might want to be on mission for the Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody is a missionary. Let me correct that. Everybody's a missionary sitting in this seat today. We have the gospel to give away. How, how important would it be if the building was on fire today and we just sit here and let everybody burn? How, how big of a, a terrible witness would we be? And yes, I see that light strobing. The devil's not going to get rolling over that. Push the lights off if it gets, just cut them off if it starts blinking. I'm not in a disco. I don't want to preach in a disco. All right? But here's what I want you to understand. We have the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have the hope for every 
man, woman, boy, and girl, no matter what country they live in, no matter their socioeconomic status, no matter where they're from, we have the hope of eternal salvation found only in Christ Jesus our Lord. Some people don't have the Word of God yet. There's still missionaries going to places. Some people believe that if you die, when I was in Kenya, I said, tell me what you believe before the gospel came. My friend Stegman would say, we believed if you were a good man when you died, you would actually come back as a cow and feed your people. But if you were as a bad man, you were as an evil man in town, we, in the village, we would actually, you'd come back as a dog and you would always try to snip at the villagers even in your afterlife. This is what these people believed. And then he said, listen, but when Jesus Christ changed my life, when he went to school, he got in trouble for going, for sharpening the bull's horns. Steve, what's that cow you have? Watusi cows. Steve has a Watusi. You have one or two of them? You have one, two of them. The long, they're like Texas longhorns, sort of. They're different. But you'll see these cattle in Kenya, and he would sharpen the horns of those cattle and make a clicking noise and make them fight. So to punish him, his father made him go to public school. 60 miles away, he had to run to school and stay there, and he'd live like a boarding school. And there, he found out there was a place giving free food because he didn't have any money in school. So he went to the place that was giving free food, and he said they locked the doors. They locked everybody in. You couldn't get out. And he said they preached on hellfire that actually, if you do not give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, you will burn in hell forever. Is that a truth from the Word of God? Yes. Pretty dogmatic statement. And he said we couldn't get out. And he, and he said I was scared because I understood fire. Fire burned everything that we had. We roasted everything. Fire scared me, so therefore I didn't want to go to hell. And I found out there was a man who actually allowed me to escape hell. His name was Jesus. And he said, I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. He went from being an animist, someone who thought he was going to be a cow or a dog when he died, come back, to a man who preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, he's preached the gospel from this pulpit here. He's preached here the gospel of Jesus Christ. He's preached in several churches in town. He comes to the place that Jesus Christ changed his life for eternity. What his father meant to punish him was actually what God used to bring him to the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even being a troubled kid, any of you ADHD, ADD, all the DDDs and all the, uh, the PTSDs, listen, no matter what you got today, the Lord can use you. Is that true? And he will use you if you'll allow him. Or if you don't have any of the Ds, he'll use you. Look at today's, he's, he uses a division in the church Today's passage of Scripture begins with a slight division. That's the first word in the church at Antioch. This is the good church. This is not the troublemakers that we read about the week before last and, and this past week. This is the good church in Antioch. Southern Turkey, if you will, northern Syria is where this church is located. If you look on the map today. And, and, and there's a division in the church. Here's the debate. Here's the two questions that it centered around. The question was this, and we'll get to it in just a moment. Chapter 15. Must Gentiles be circumcised to be saved? Do you know the answer? Could you imagine? I became a Christian when I was 21 years old, and the pastor said, you must be born again, give your heart and life to Jesus Christ, and then out back we got a, a man with a razor blade, and you got to go have the, fulfill the Abrahamic covenant, what Moses said, and you got to have circumcision. Now, I'm not going to talk about circumcision. It is important. It is very important, but I know there's children here, and sometimes it's hard to explain it, and maybe you don't even know enough to explain it, but circumcision was not a good thing for a 21-year-old man. If you told me I had to be saved and circumcised to become a Christian, I'd be like, thank you very much, and have a nice day. I don't want any of that, right? Even in Stakewell's culture, he said if someone actually, when they, they get through circumcision between the ages of 16 and 21, 
And if you flinch or complain or cry out, you're banned from the village because you prove that you're not a man. Ladies, they circumcise ladies as well. That's another whole other gross story for another day. The World Health Organization, a lot of people are trying to get that banned. It's a very, it's a very sick thing. That's not part of the covenant. But let me answer the question before we get there, and you think about that the whole sermon. Men, especially when you have to go through the circumcision at whatever age. Anybody come to Christ after the age of 15? Raise your hand. Would you come to Christ if you knew you had to be circumcised after the age of 15? No. So the Gentiles now are coming to Christ by the droves all over Turkey, all over Cyprus. Uh, there's kings and uh, leaders and there's people in authority. There's just common people. All kind of people are coming to Christ. And Paul's preaching, you must be born again. He's preaching what Jesus preached. Remember, he had an encounter with Jesus. And remember, we talked about he actually has been stoned, we believe, stoned to death. And he's, he's seen Jesus more than once. He knows the message. He actually presided over the stoning of Stephen when he, a Pharisee, stood there and let him put their cloaks at his, at his feet. And he watched as that young man said, Lord, hold not to them the sin they're doing, right? Don't hold it against them. What manner of person would do that? If someone stoned you to death, you think you would cry out and you would scream at them and you'd call them names in return until they killed you. But that's not what Stephen did. And Paul oversaw that. He was a Pharisee with letters to arrest and even to kill those who followed the people of the way. Go to the Bible now. I want you to see this. This is what's happening in the church. Can there be divisions in the church? Yes, the first church had divisions. They can disagree without being disagreeable. Is that true? Okay, how about our culture today? Can we disagree without being disagreeable? If it's a doctrinal issue, a doctrine just means it's a big fancy word for teaching. That's all doctrine means. So when you hear the word doctrine, it means teaching. So the sermon title today is Following the Jerusalem Council Doctrine, Book of Acts, chapter 15. Let's look at it. So this is the teaching. Here, now we, let's take it back up to southern Turkey, northern Syria, to the church of Antioch. A good church, ascending church, a blessing church. But there's a disagreement that come in the church. And certain men, or some, your Bible might say some men, came down from Judea and taught the brethren, unless you are circumcised according to the custom of Moses, you cannot be saved. In the story from here today, I wouldn't read any more scripture and leave, right? Is that troubling in your heart? Some of you don't know what circumcision is. That's why it doesn't trouble you. It troubles me greatly. All right, verse 2. Therefore, Paul and Barnabas had no small dissension and dispute with them. What does that mean, no small dissension or dispute? It was huge. They're saying you have to do works. Paul's like, this is not true. You just must come by faith. In grace alone. That's the only way to be saved. They're saying, no, no, no. You've got to be circumcised to show that you're now coming to be a... Really, they were saying, you have to go from Gentile to convert to Judaism to be a Christian. You ever heard people tell you you've got to do all these extra things to become a Christian? There's many faiths still teaching this today. You must do all these extra things and be good enough to be one of us. It's not what the Bible says. Listen, let's see what Paul says. Paul and Barnabas are there's in a dispute. There's division. Uh, they determined that Paul and Barnabas and certain others of them should go up to Jerusalem to the apostles and elders and ask this question. The question is what? Two questions I gave you. Must Gentiles be circumcised to be saved? And must Gentiles keep the Mosaic law? Those are two things because we believe they should. Paul and Barnabas are teaching something different. So the church, instead of actually coming to the place of fighting and splitting, what happens today when people get mad? They just go 
split off into another church, right? Heard down in the Low Country was uh, Hook Baptist Church and No Hook Baptist Church because of the, uh, the um, they didn't want to hang hooks in the vestibule. I don't know how true that is. I know there's a Corinth number one, one back country road, you might be able to tell me. Somewhere in the Low Country, there's Corinth number one built like an L this way. And right beside that's Corinth number two. I mean, literally, you could, you could probably hold hands, two people, and touch the buildings. Corinth number one, Corinth number two. Anybody seen that as you travel the low country? Somewhere in the low country in South Carolina. We get mad over the smallest things, don't we? Don't we? I want it my way. I talked about last week the three people that get in the way of God. Me, myself, and I get in the way of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, don't we? We can if we're not careful. Let's stick with what the Word of God says. So they had a plan. Let's send you to Paul and Barnabas. Let's send you guys to Jerusalem, to the church of Jerusalem. Let Peter and James and those other guys, let them wait on this because these are what these people knew. And I read into the scripture, and you can, you, if you'll, you'll miss it if you'll miss it, right? Not careful. There were some people in the Jerusalem church that believed the same. Did you know that? There were people, there were Pharisees, people of the Pharisees who believed this very same thing. So when they said, hey, send it off to the mother church, send it down to the church of Jerusalem, see what Peter, and because they knew Peter, if you would go look at Galatians chapter 2, Paul calls Peter out. Paul gets in Peter's face. It's almost, I'm almost as embarrassed as a, as a pastor to read Galatians chapter 2. You go and read it. Because somebody who's not a believer goes, ah, uh-huh, see, you Christians can't get along after all. Paul got in the face that Peter called him out in a very public way. And if you read it, you can read the whole episode, what happened. It was a private conversation initially, but Paul wrote it down for all of us to read today. Paul called Peter out for going back with the Jewish people and saying, listen, this is my people. Yeah, I'm supposed to be with the Gentiles, but I'm hanging out with my people. Paul calls him out. Go and read it for yourself. It's an amazing thing. And he even talks about the, the Jerusalem Council as well in Galatians 2. We don't have time for that today, but go back and read that. It's very important. It ties in how we as humans, if we're not careful, will get caught up. We'll get caught up in the stuff that does not matter. So let's send it to the Jerusalem church to ask the question. Paul and Barnabas, being men of God, they're missionaries. They said what? Of course. They're going to believe the same thing we believe. And what do they do? I want you to read this. I'm going to read it for you. But as they're going back to Jerusalem, as they're going, and Jerusalem's on a hill. That's why you always say, let's go up to Jerusalem, because it's on the hilltop. They go up to Jerusalem. They're preaching the gospel as they go, sharing, listen, you won't believe what God did over in Iconium. And you won't believe what happened in Lystra. Remember the cities we've covered? You won't believe what happened in Derby. Paul, we left one town because Paul was threatened to be stoned to death, went to the next town, and Paul got stoned to death. Could you imagine telling stories? It's success stories of what God has done in our life. Have you ever heard someone tell a testimony, what God has done in their life? Pastor, if I could tell you, I'd spend all day telling you how good God is to me because this is what God's done in my life. He saved me, and I followed him, and now today I am where I am because of the grace of God. Do you have that testimony? You do. If you're saved, I do. If I'm saved, and I am saved, by the way. Let's see what it says. What happens? So, verse 3, being sent on their way by the church, they passed through Phoenicia, through Samaria, describing the conversion of the Gentiles, and they caused great joy to all the brethren. Everybody that was a Christian believed and was excited. They're saying, hey, the Gentiles are Christians too. They didn't get caught up in, do you have to be circumcised? They didn't get caught up in the Mosaic law. They were excited because these were places that were Samarians or what? 50-50. The daddy might have been a Jew, mama might have been a Jew, but mama might have been a Gentile as well. They were half-breeds, according to the Jews. They were mixed people. And guess, they were outcasts from the Jews. 
But when they heard that the Gentiles were being saved, guess what they're doing? Praise God from who all blessings flow. Amen? They were excited because they didn't get caught up in the race issue. They got caught up in the grace issue. Okay? Don't miss that because it's important for us today. They were focused on not how they think we're different. They were focused on that Jesus came and that the Holy Spirit has come upon these people just like it came upon those people, just like it came on us. And it causes great joy even to hear that today, does it not? No matter your background. Three of us think it's caused great joy. But listen, I'm telling you, church, it causes great joy to come on the brethren when they hear that Jesus Christ is working in a, in a land or in a country or a people group. Verse 4, And when they had come to Jerusalem, they were received by the church and the apostles and the elders, and they reported all things that God had done with them. Here's verse 5. Is that good news, verse 4? Men is rejoicing. You mean people getting saved in Samaria? I thought those people were a bunch of no-goods. Right? Phoenicia? The Roman colonists are getting saved. Lystra, Paul, how'd you get that? How'd you get that wound right there? Well, they get smacked me with a rock. I mean, a big old rock right there. They thought he'd kill me, which I think he did. Which one knocked you clear to heaven? I'm not sure. I got kicked out of heaven though, because God said I went through. He's still all cut up. He he ain't fixed. He's got scars for life. Paul's back is ripped up from being beaten. Paul's, he, his body's bruised for shipwreck and all the different things in his life. Paul, listen, Paul's just on his first missionary journey. But he's already taken a licking, but guess what? Like an old time X commercial, he took a licking, he's still doing what? He keep on ticking, he's keep on going. He's got a mission, he's got a call on his life. He's a man seeking after the things of God. He understands when Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the stuff that you need will be added to you. Paul, that should have been a big amen right there, right? Let me try that again. Seek you first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all the things that you have need of will be added to you. Amen? That's a word from Jesus Christ himself. Go back and read Matthew 5, Matthew 6, Matthew 7. Go back and read and see who is our provider. It's not your workplace. It's not the government. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. My God shall supply all of your need according to the riches, his riches in heaven. Philippians 4.19, this is the truth from the Word of God. We serve a holy God who created all things. We just sing about it. The oceans are His. The seas are His. The land is His. The universe is His. That's the God that we serve. That's exciting news. Listen, we get to the place. Verse 5, all things are exciting. Listen, they come because there's a dispute. But here's their boys from verse 1. Their boys in verse 5, they know they're down there because they've been sending messages back and forth, right? Hey, I bet you the pony was running full steam because Paul's preaching as he's going. Barnabas is preaching as they're going. They send the messengers because we know that these people follow people around, right? Every time God's at work, old devil's trying to work. Isn't that true? The people in verse 1 are the same people in verse 5, just a different church. Millbrook Baptist Church, Cedar Creek Church, any other church you want to name, has these people. Town Creek Baptist Church has these people in the church. Oh, you, you, you can be saved, but there's more you got to do. Well, is that a true statement? There is more you got to do because the Bible says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's Romans 10, 17. But after, listen, you believe there's a God? Good. Even the devils believe in shudder. That's what James says. Faith without works is what? Dead. Faith without works is dead. You have a job to do. That is true. But that is not how you're saved. You're saved through your faith in grace alone, it's the grace of God that, that saves us. My faith fully, like jumping in a swimming pool, I'm all in, right? The deep end. 
Not the shallow end. Don't wade into this. This is a jump in. This is a dive in. I'm completely saturated with the grace of God. When I give my heart life to the Lord Jesus Christ, I am forever saved. Amen? So we see these men in verse 1. They're saying, listen, you can be saved, but you got to be circumcised, and you must follow the Mosaic law. Now, we must be careful here, because what happens is, people say, we're not under the law, so therefore I can do whatever I want to do. There's a big title for that. Paul says, God forbid, Romans 6. Do we sin that grace may abound? God forbid. Don't sin so that you can say, listen, see God's grace? Watch watch how much alcohol I can drink. Watch how much bad things I can do. Watch how many bad movies I can see. Could you imagine taking Jesus to all the places that we go today? Could you imagine Christ seeing the things you see and doing the things you do? Paul would say, God forbid, Romans 6. Here we are, the verse 5, but some of the sect of the Pharisees, and here's the key thing, who believe? Are these being Christians? Yeah, they're believers who rose up saying, it is necessary to circumcise them and to command them to keep the law of Moses. Paul would have to get back on a boat, travel all the way back over to Turkey with his man with razor blades, multiple razor blades, right? And start circumcising everybody. Remember what the Bible said? And multitudes came to Christ. And multitudes come to Christ. Could you imagine the bloody mess, the bloody trail Paul would leave behind because if they followed these men's statutes, the teachings that they wanted to teach. Could you imagine it? I know it's gross, and we don't talk about blood much, and we just order number ones when we go to Chick-fil-A, but somebody killed that chicken, okay, just for the record. Somebody cut that chicken's head off and gutted that chicken and ripped his feathers out, okay? Whatever you eat meat for lunch today, that was a living animal that somebody had to shed the blood of that animal, okay? So get over yourself when you say, hey, blood, pastor. If you're a vegetarian, listen. Well, I won't get into it. All right. This is good stuff. Here we go. Watch. Now they're going to listen. Now the apostles and the elders came together to consider this matter. That means it's important. And when they heard, and and, and when there had been much dispute, guess what happened? This thing's brought up in the church in Jerusalem. It's a dispute as well. There's a dispute in Antioch. They're waiting. Hmm, what's the word going to be? They're waiting for them to come back. Who did they send, by the way? Keep in your mind, just keep the storyline because we've got a historical narrative going on. Who did the church in Antioch send out to be missionaries to Turkey? Paul and Barnabas. Who did they send down to the church of Jerusalem? No matter what your integrity level is, no matter who you are in the church, if I disagree with you, and they'll say, well, let's just get brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so, and they'd be our messengers for us. Who do I have the problem with? The very people that I said are messengers. So the church was wise enough to come to the place that Paul and Barnabas came asking the question, the Holy Spirit was reigning in these apostles and the elders' lives. They were smart enough or wisdom, had enough wisdom to actually say, if we just send back Paul and Barnabas, they're going to say, are y'all telling the whole truth what they said? You see what I'm saying? You can't let the witness be the witness. The questioner have the answer. You've got to have some kind of credibility that you offer back because we as people don't believe necessarily other people. Is that true? That is true. Listen, watch, out, watch what happens. So the apostles considered the matter in verse 6. And when there had been much dispute, Peter rose up and said to them, Men and brethren, you know that a good while ago God chose among us that by my mouth the Gentiles should hear the word of the gospel and believe. That's Cornelius, the story of Cornelius we read. Remember the story? Come over here. He went over and he, he preached and they were saved and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and baptized. Verse 8, so God who knows the heart acknowledged them by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. And made no distinction between us and them, purifying their hearts by faith. Now, therefore, 
Why do you test God by putting a yoke on the neck of the disciples, which neither our fathers nor, our, nor we were able to bear? That's the law. No one can keep the law in the Old Testament. Every animal you killed, they killed millions upon millions of animals, and they could not satisfy their sin issue. The animal only covered the blood, and guess what? You'd sin again next week. But the Lamb of God came and took away the sin of the world. Listen, everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved, and his sins shall be washed away. Your sins were washed away if you're a Christian. My sins were washed away forever. I don't have to worry about tomorrow when I wake up. Oh, my goodness. I did say something ugly I should have repented of last week. I did do the wrong thing. I cut you off in traffic, right? Whatever it might be, I'd sin. I sinned against God. Now I've got to get saved all over again. There are churches today where people will make, flood the altar and say, I want to get saved again this week because I was out partying last night or Friday. You can't get sin. Listen, you can't go into sin and get saved and get saved and get saved. Jesus Christ died on the cross one time. Amen? He will not die again for you. He will not die again for your sins. You cannot nail him to the cross. But that's what, in truth, what a lot of churches are teaching today. They get people all worked up and they're scared because I sinned. What do you do with your sin when you're a Christian? 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's a promise from God. If we confess our sins. The problem we do is we hold on to our sins for a long time. We let them build up. And we get so far behind the sins, we get into sin lifestyle and we say, God would never forgive me of this. And you hear preachers tell you, get out of that sin. You hear songs that tell you, get away from that sin. You feel convicted. You won't read the word of God. You won't pray much because you know what's going to happen. Get rid of that sin. Get out of that sin lifestyle. And if you don't listen, the Bible says if you, if you become a stumbling block, he's going to remove the stumbling block. Can you believe so-and-so, sister so-and-so died so early, so young, so premature, brother so-and-so died? It could be the judgment of God. Now, it could just be sin nature and cancer or heart disease, but be careful that you don't just smother cover everything under the blanket of sin. It was just poor sin. They, they were just born with a bad heart. They were just born with a bad stomach. They were born with bad feet. Whatever it might be, diabetes, name the list. It's all kinds of different things because those things do happen. But I know there's stories in town. I know from our church, there's things that's happened. People are using as a testimony that God took this person early. When I sat in the meeting, when knowing that the person actually sinned against God and called out God to, to judge between their righteousness and someone else's that's in the room. Let God judge between this person this person. And friends, can I tell you, God did judge in a very rapid, quick way. Some people that are on my staff know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a real story. It happened in a real time. Everybody heard the real conversation, the real argument. The dispute happened. And instead of turning to God and saying, listen, let's work this out. Let's agree to disagree. It was, let God judge between these two people who's right and who's wrong. And friends, listen, within two weeks, God judged in a very awful, righteous way. But now today it's being billed as something that just a uh, freak accident. It wasn't a freak accident because I was in the room. Some of my staff was in the room. It was a judgment of God because this person, I was a strong Christian. I believe they were Christians. But God brought about judgment because they called down. The Bible says, be careful. If you get together and start talking about stuff, you be very careful as a Christian. The Bible says, whatever is bound on earth is bound in heaven. And that two or three, when we get together, two or three together in our name, listen, in his name, he's there. That's on church discipline, Matthew chapter 18. Read it for yourself. But we bind something together. Me and you as a brother, sister, sister in Christ, if God's speaking on the issue now, 
If God's speaking on the issue, if it's just something, hey, I'm going to bind, hey, let's, let's bind together, we're going to go get a, we're going to buy a pickup truck. That's not what he's talking about. Unless it's the will of God, he's put a pickup truck on your heart, pickup truck on somebody else's heart. I believe God's in the pickup trucks. If that's what he puts on your heart. God is God. By the way, whose pickup truck is it? It's his. If he puts on your heart that you need to buy one or give one or, or whatever it is, and he puts on somebody else's heart, listen, pray together and bind together that God's done that very thing. The judgment when it comes to, listen, brother, you shouldn't be cheating on your wife. Anybody believe a man shouldn't cheat on his wife? Raise your hand if you believe that to be true. Half of you? Okay. Should a man cheat on his wife, yes or no? All right. Give, me, give it to me louder. Should a woman cheat on her husband? Why are you judging? Isn't that what our culture says today? Don't judge me. Right? You're not judging. You're saying what the judge of all judges have said, right? Do not commit adultery. He even put it down as a, one of his top tens. Don't do it. And when we do the sin that he tells us not to do, we've experienced as families, we've experienced as friends, as a church, how destructive that can be. Is that true? That's just one sin. I can go down and list all kind of sins and say, listen, how many of us have been affected by all those sins? And the answer is, look around, we all have. We've all been affected by it. The church here, these men are disagreeing. Peter stands up and preaches the word of God saying, listen, don't put a burden, don't put a yoke. If you ever go into Cracker Barrel, right when you walk into the double doors, look straight up. There's a yoke right there. There's uh, two oxen or two cows. They would put the yoke around them and the younger would be snatched around by the older or pulled back. A yoke is made to restrain you and teach you something or hurt you or control you. Paul, uh, Peter's saying, don't put a yoke around these Gentile believers. Don't put a yoke around them to snatch them back. Set them free. Let the Lord Jesus Christ, and listen, the Holy Spirit, lead them in their life. Because guess what they're going to do? They're going to be sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They're going to be preaching the gospel. They're going to be preaching. Let me tell you what happened to me. I was a wretched sinner. I was serving Zeus. I was making sacrifices. I was living that pitiful life. And along come a preacher who told me about Jesus Christ. And now, listen, now today, I'm a born-again, blood-bought saint of the living God. And now, listen, I don't serve a false god, a false deity. I don't go and make it to an altar or to an idol. I go straight to the heaven, the King of Kings, sitting on his throne. And I can say, Father, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can we not? Don't you have direct access? You can go today, right now while I'm preaching, while I'm teaching, you can go straight to the throne right now. Lord, make him hurry up. Lord, help him out. Right? Whatever you want to pray, Lord, help me out. You have direct access, no matter what's going on, you have direct access to the Holy One. Isn't that amazing? Blows my mind sometimes to think about who God is. and He knows who I was. He knows who I am. And he knows who I'm going to be. Same thing about you. Would you have picked you up if you was God? When you were perfect, pure, un and, and, and clean, would you have picked you up, stained and rotten, no good? I wouldn't have. But God, but God did. All right, Peter's back preaching. Watch what he does. Verse 11, but we believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the manner, same manner as they. That's a doctrinal heavyweight right there. That's a heavy lift. If you mark your Bible... Underline verse 11 because that is a major, major doctrine in the church today. We believe that through the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, we shall be saved in the same manner as they are, right? As they. 
Then all the multitude kept silent but called and listened to Barnabas and Paul declaring how many miracles and wonders God had done through them among the Gentiles. And after they had become silent, James, here comes Pastor James now, the Apostle James, half-brother of Jesus, he answered saying, Men and brethren, listen to me. Simon, meaning Simon Peter, has declared how God had the first visit the Gentiles to take out of them a people for his name. And with this, the words of the prophets agree, just as it is written. What is he quoting, church? They don't have the full Bible like you and I have. He's quoting the Old Testament scrolls, and he's got it memorized because he's going to jump up and quote the prophets with an S. Right? Watch what he says. After this, I will return and will rebuild the tabernacle of David, which has fallen down. I will rebuild its ruins, and I will set it up so that the rest of mankind may seek the Lord. Even all the Gentiles who are called by my name, says the Lord who does all these things. And I gave you the references in your notes. You can look down half with your notes. Isaiah 45, 21, Jeremiah 12, 15, and Amos chapter 9, verse 11 and 12. Those are the prophets he's referencing. Verse 18, known to God from eternity are all his works. Therefore I judge. Wait a minute, don't judge. What judgment call is he making? Not James's judgment when he says, I judge. He's really saying what? God has judged already, so I'm just going to repeat what he said, okay? So when you see that going, up, oh, shouldn't judge. Don't let that turn you off. He's saying what God says. Therefore I judge that we should not trouble those among the Gentiles who are turning to God, but that we write to them to abstain from things polluted by idols, from sexual immorality, from things strangled, and from blood. For Moses has had throughout many generations those who preach him in every city, being read in the synagogues every Sabbath. It seems like it doesn't fit there, does it? I'll explain it to you in just a minute. Verse 22. Then it pleased the apostles and the elders with the whole church to send chosen men. Here we go. Don't just send Paul and Barnabas back because they're going to say, yeah, you're telling us the same thing you told us before you left. But what authority are you telling us this? Now, there would have been those men. The church would have believed them, but those men who had doubted would not have. So here what we do. They send these, this company with Paul and Barnabas, namely Judas, who was also called Barsabbas and Silas, leading men among the brethren. They wrote this letter to them, the apostles, the elders, and the brethren. This is from the church at Jerusalem. To the brethren who are at the Gentiles of Antioch, Syria, and Sicily, greetings, since we have heard that some who went out from us have troubled you with words unsettling your soul, saying, you must be circumcised to keep the law and keep the law to whom we gave no such commandment. It seemed good to us, being assembled with one accord, to send chosen men to you with our beloved Barnabas and Paul, men who have risked their lives for the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have therefore sent Judas and Silas, who will also report the same things by word of mouth. For it seemed good to the Holy Spirit and to us to lay upon you no greater burden than these necessary things, that you abstain from things offered to idols, from blood, from things strangled, from sexual immorality. If you keep yourselves from these, you will do well. Farewell. Sound pretty simple? All right, let's go back and see what it Let's get through your notes. For the early church and for us today, it's okay, it is okay to ask questions concerning our Christian faith. Would you agree? God's a big God. You can ask him any kind of question you have about your faith. But you question him in faith. God, I trust you, but... How? And you can ask questions. Or God, why? When we lose a loved one, we lose something that's important to us. We want to know why, God. How, God? It's okay. He's a big God. He can answer those questions. 
It is not okay to add man-made rules to Scripture and hinder the faith of another. How many men in the pulpit today are adding rule upon rule upon rule? You must do all this stuff, and if I say you're okay, then you're okay. No one died and made me God. Amen? Neither did he make you God. Or no preacher, no pastor, no priest. Men have made rules today that you've got to come to a black box and get in one side with a screen in it and another man on another side, and you have to confess your sins to that person on the other side that he might receive forgiveness of sins. How foolish is that? It feels good because I can just tell you, because I, I, can, I can brag, almost tell you about what I did. When I talk to another man, I can almost brag about my bad stuff, right? Give me with another sailor, and we can talk about old times, can't we? I mean, any sailors in the room? Raise your hand. Anybody? Jeff, he's a submariner, though. You don't count. He was under the water. I'm just kidding. So, listen, when veterans get together, veterans, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Story after story. We can tell some stories, can't we? We've been to some places. You guys ever heard of red light districts? Every time we went to port, we sailed into the Mediterranean. They'd give us a debrief. Everybody had to crowd around the little televisions in their birthing area, and they would say, sailors, and they would give us a debriefing. We're going to this port. The threat is this. Um, and they would warn us about Islam, uh, uh, radical Islamic uh, terrorists that were happening just getting started when I was in. They would warn us about the AIDS rate in every place. They would give all this warning. Don't go to this area. This is the easy area. Stay here. Guess what they were doing to the people who were sinful? They're telling us where to go. Go to the red light district. That's where the fights are going to happen. That's where the activities are. That's where the fun place is going to be. Don't go to the tourist place. Go over here to this place. And guess where we went? To the place we shouldn't go. Every time there was a don't go to, that was the code word for that's where the action's at. But again, let me tell you, sin has its price, does it not? You get to the action zone so many times, and what happens? You're going to get in a fight. You're going to get cut. People died. People were killed. People received addictions. Diseases, you name it, it happened. The bad stuff they said would happen did happen. It just took an eventual period of time. That's what sin does. It seems like it's fun today. But the Bible warns us, listen, there's a payday someday for sin. Is that true? It's going to catch you someday, and it will catch up with you. So there is a payday. Come to the place, look at this. Look at your word. Don't hinder another. Don't make man-made rules. Don't go in. It's easy to talk about your, in a box, to talk about, oh, yeah, I remember when I did this, and I'm sorry I did this. Give me some uh, necklace and some counts and let me say a couple words, Hail Marys, and get through it, our fathers, and then I'm done. And then go do it again. But when I come into the presence of holy God and to bend the knee and say, God, I am so sorry for my sin. He wants us to confess our sins because we've already been forgiven. Is that true? On the cross, Jesus died for your sin. He wants us to confess our sins because he wants you and me to say about our sins what he says about our sins. He wants us to say that sin is wrong. That thing that you said is wrong. You have to come to the point, you go apologize to them. You go and make amends to them. It's very much an action-oriented faith that we have. Paul and Barnabas argued salvation is by faith in Jesus Christ through his grace alone. Some of the men in the church argued otherwise. The church appealed to the apostles and the elders in the Jerusalem church for answers. The apostles and elders he read in the scripture came together to consider this faith issue. They themselves had a long debate. So it caused a debate in Antioch, and it caused a debate in Jerusalem. Peter brought clarity. Clarity is what he brought to the argument with this eternal truth. All people who receive salvation do so by faith, 
receiving God's precious, undeserved grace. You do not deserve it. Grace is something God gives you. I give you the opportunity to be saved. I give you my son, Jesus Christ. I give you his death on the cross. I give you his burial, and I give you my, bringing him back to life, I give you the resurrected Lord Jesus. It's me, God, who gives you human opportunity to be saved. You want to be saved from your sins? Ask me. Everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord, everyone who asks me, receives. Jesus himself said even practical things you don't have because why? You don't ask. And today, listen, brothers and sisters, if you've been sitting in this church long enough, if I haven't said it properly, I know the word of God has spoken, you must be born again. You must confess your sins before a holy God. You must ask him to forgive you your sins and come to your life. And you must confess that you believe God raised Jesus from the dead, that he lives forevermore. When you come to that place, say, I surrender all. I give my heart and life to Jesus Christ. Then and only then can you be saved. And listen, once you're saved, it's a forever salvation. It is not again and again and again. Will you ever have doubts? Yes, you can have doubts. But when you have doubts, what do you do? You go back to the Word. It's a doubt buster. You go back to the Lord. Say, Lord, I'm having doubts. He's going to send you to the Word. He's going to send you to the Psalms. I am King of Kings. He's going to send you to First Timothy. He's going to send you to the book of Romans. He's going to send you to the book of John. He's going to send you to His Word. Peter brought clarity to this eternal truth. Let me say it again. All people who receive salvation do so by faith, receiving God's precious, undeserved grace. James, he gets up and speaks. He references the prophets and the holy scriptures. Every time that you have an argument or disagreement, always settle it with scripture. Scripture says, but scripture says, Sometimes you can take scripture out of context and make scripture say something you wanted to say because of the issue of the day or issue you might have. But always read it in context. And I challenge you every time I preach, read before and read after. Don't just read this. We only have time for reading what we preach today, but go back and read it in context. And finally, listen, what was his decision? What was the Jerusalem Council doctrine? What was the teaching from the church, the first church in Jerusalem? Gentiles, here's the answer. Gentiles do not have to receive circumcision to be saved. Thank you, Jesus. All the men should have said amen on that one. Number two, Gentiles do not have to keep the Mosaic law to be saved. Now, here's what we got to do. Some people are throwing the law out with a baby with the bathwater, right? I, I can do whatever I want to do. That's not what the Bible says, Romans 6. Nine of the Ten Commandments were brought over to the New Testament. Did you know that? There was one missing in the New Testament that was in the Old Testament, out of the Ten Commandments that God gave on the stone tablets to Moses. Which one's missing? Sabbath day. The Sabbath day is not in the New Testament. Jesus said this clearly. Hey, you Pharisees misunderstood this. God gave you the Sabbath so you can rest. He gave you the day for man. He did not give the man for the day. Because what happens in, in Jerusalem today on Saturday? Nothing. I'm told even the elevators run by themselves. You have to wait for the elevator. To, if you're on the, don't get a hotel room on the 10th floor on Saturday in Jerusalem. You're going to go to every floor. It stops at every floor. Ding, 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 ding. So that nobody has to push the button. Because if you push the button, you're working. That's how legalistic it has become. When man-made rules get messed up with God's law or God's word, mankind always messes it up. We always put yokes on other people. Let me just choke you down and keep you under control. If you've got a question, you come to me. You ever been in a, under a position like that? I'm not, listen, I'm your pastor. I'm the leader of the church. Jesus is the head of the church. 
and the body is the decision maker. We're going to vote on something? Listen, it's us who make that decision. Just like the Jerusalem Council, it's us as believers who make that decision. I had to lead us in a decision that I pray best I know, but I have one vote like you do. I don't have the authority to make the final vote, the tie-breaking vote. That's not what happens. The church votes. The church speaks because under the lordship of Jesus Christ, we understand that we are the authority that God has left here on earth. We, the word of God and the Holy Spirit speaks through who? You and me. But you must be speaking. and must be living a righteous life. James added, and the church agreed to the challenge set to the Gentile believers. The short list of challenges was intended to, here's important, to help new believers understand Christians must stay away from their cultures pulled to sin against God. That's the only reason I gave them these things, because these people were actually, these come from the worship of Zeus and all these other different religions, and they would hold animals down, and they, they, would, they would strangle animals to the point that the animal would suffocate, and all the blood would stay in the animal's stomach or lungs, and then they would drink the blood. It was, it was a pagan worship. That's why he's saying, don't do that stuff anymore. Be careful when you tell someone about the love of Jesus Christ because so many Christians are what I call patty cake, patty cake, baker's man Christians. Hey, if you come to Jesus, he'll show you true love and your world's going to be wonderful. That's not true, is it? If you come to Jesus, you're going to war. Satan hates you already, but he's going to double hate you when you come to Jesus Christ. Jesus said, if the world hated me, listen, it's going to hate you even more. Read John 14 and 15. When you come into the kingdom of God, it's kingdom versus kingdom. Greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world, the word of God says. You're coming into wartime, so I'm warning you today, don't become a Christian if you're not willing to give it all. You've got to jump in the pool again, all in, for Jesus Christ. There's no patty cake, patty cake Christians today. If you think you patty cake, patty cake, you better read Matthew chapter 7. If you're just a here today, gone tomorrow kind of Christian, I warn you to read as a friend. Forget I'm the pastor. I warn you as a friend to read Matthew chapter 7 in its entirety. Jesus himself warned those who said, But Lord, didn't we do all this in your name? And he says, Depart from me. I never knew you, you workers of iniquity. My friend, my brothers, my sisters, make sure that you know, that you know, that you know that you're saved. Because if you don't know, if you don't have the blessed assurance that's ours in Christ, there's a strong probability you're not saved. I'm not God. I can't read your heart or your mind. Listen, there is a heaven to gain and a hell to shun. Is that true? And you and I have the opportunity today, we in this room, those who are watching by Facebook, those who are watching by social media, those who are live streaming, listen, or watching the live stream, they have no excuse. We have no excuse because I'm telling you plainly, you must be born again. You must ask Christ to take your sin and exchange it for his grace because he's offering it to you today. So why don't, we, why don't people just buy the droves, come to Christ? Doesn't that sound like a good deal? Take away your sin, your shame, and give you the glory of God? Doesn't it sound like a wonderful offer? By the way, let me just tell you as a friend, it is a wonderful offer. I received it. He changed my life. He changed my want-tos. He changed the ability to love. He changed me. But it's Jesus Christ who gets the credit, not me. He didn't make me a better person. He's making me a holy person. I'm maturing in Christ. I still foul up, still sin. And guess what he does? Every time I, Lord, today I wish I hadn't said that. I wish I hadn't done that. Did you make it right? No, not yet. Then quit talking to me and go make it right. Did you know the Lord wants you to make it right with your brother and sister first? Leave your offering there at the altar and, hey, this conversation's over until you go make it right. 
Then once you make it right, guess what? You, you can sprint back into the throne room of God. Hey, God, I made it right. They told me all kinds of things about myself. Are you right with, with me now? Yes, I am. Are you right with them? Well, they wouldn't forgive me or they didn't say yes. Whose problem is that then? It's theirs. We went to them. We, we asked them, is there something between us? We have a way to live as Christians. Just like the first church, we have doctrines and teachings that we follow, not because we make them up. It's because Christ is on his throne. Look at the questions I ask you. Have you trusted Jesus as your Savior and Lord? Only you know that. If you're not assured of that today, if you don't know that you know, if you've just been religious your whole life, you just got baptized as a kid, you just got baptized, listen, baptism does not save you. Baptism will not save you. Baptism just gets you wet like the swimming pool. That's all it does. But when you fully know that you know that you know that you've received Jesus Christ, I've confessed my sins. Other people around you would know as well. I have the joy of the Lord. We used to sing it as kids, right? I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Not the muscle, but who I am. Take away everything I have. Take away my life. Guess what I gain? I gain. Heaven. Every time something gets taken from me, the Bible says, the psalmist says, we've never seen God's children begging bread. It's amazing God that we serve. Is your faith by grace alone? Are you trying to work for a new man? I'll tell you the story. We're going to finish with this. Did hospital visitations. I shared. man was a veteran. He was in the army. We joked around. He was dying. He had diabetes. He was dying. Older man. We joked about, about all the Navy versus Army stuff. We, he was very conscientious about uh, his situation. And I said, listen, you know you're getting ready to see the Lord. He said, I know I am. And I said, my friend, listen, tell me. Tell me about when you became a Christian. When did you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you your sins? When was it? This person been a member of the church at this time for 40-plus years. I said, tell me when you gave your heart and life to Jesus Christ. He, the man turned to me and says, I ain't never done that. And I was young, and I'm like, well, that, I'm, maybe I said it wrong. I know you've been a member of the church for 40-plus years. Tell, no, I'm asking when you, when you got saved. I'm, at, I'm trying to use the old church words, right? Y'all remember we, we talk about saved and salvation. I'm trying to use a, an older words that I knew growing up. And No, when you got saved, when did you, when did you get saved? And, and when did you ask Jesus to forgive you of your sins? And he said, I never have. I said, you've been a member of the church for 40-plus years. How did you become a member of the church? That's another story for another time. Well, listen, you know, you know you're about to die. I mean, you, you, diabetes is... is Chasing this man quickly. You know you're about to die. It could be today. I know that. God's going to judge me. This is what his word said. And it forever haunts me. God will judge me. God's going to have to judge me. Like he can tell God what to do. God's going to have to judge me based on how I treated my family. I said, my friend, listen, that is not, no, you, don't get to, you don't get to make the requirements for heaven. Jesus said you must be born again. He said, Clint, let me tell you something. You're wasting your time. I know that I'm a sinner. I know that Jesus Christ died for my sins. I know that. I've heard it my whole life. But I cannot and I will not ask him to forgive me of my sins. I said, brother, there's no way to go to heaven. You, 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 are, you are saying no to Jesus. You're saying no to the only way to heaven. And he says, well, God will have to deal with me based on how I treat my family. I said, God is going to place you in hell. Period. Not your family. It's because you rejected his son, Jesus Christ. You cannot reject him and expect a positive outcome. You, based on the word of God, this holy word of God, if you reject the son of the living God, you're going to die and forever be separated from God in a place called hell. You'll never, ever have another opportunity 
once you take your last breath. That's why we preach. That's why we beg. Give your heart and life to Jesus Christ today. Because today could be the last day that you have breath. This is the truth from the Word of God. It's not a scare tactic, but it is awful scary. This is the truth of the Word of God. If you don't know, that you know, that you know. Listen, there's fear eating you up every time you put your head on the pillow. It's tonight, the last night I go to bed and wake up on this planet. Friends, make sure that you know. Let's pray. Father God, in the precious and holy name of Jesus, I pray. Lord, this is heavy lifting from the Jerusalem Council. Paul and Barnabas sent from the church of Antioch. We're reading about real people who had real questions. We had read about some people who they wanted it their way. They wanted church tradition over, Lord, your way. And so many of us today, we're prideful. We're hard-headed. We want to do it our way and want you to bless our works. And Father, we know that's not how it works. We know that you, Lord, we know that you set the standard because you're God. We know that you are the one who calls us out. And we know that Jesus himself said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. Father, would you save that soul today that's near as hell? Just, Lord, we don't even know what tomorrow holds. This crazy COVID-19 mess. Someone can get sick with it, come down quickly. We've seen lives lost because of it. We're not fearful. We don't run and preach fear. We preach faith in your wonderful, precious, holy grace that you give us. We trust you as believers, and we love you. Lord, we want our brothers and our friends and sisters co-workers, even our enemies, Lord, to come to know you as our personal Lord and Savior, that they might experience the joy of our salvation. Thank you, Lord, for all that you do for us. Thank you for those that are watching by internet, that they, Lord, that they're at their home, they can kneel and ask you to forgive them of their sins and come into their heart and their lives. They can rest assured that they know, that they know that they know they're saved. We here can as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.